Hello and welcome to this edition of Café Klingendal, the podcast series of the Klingendal Institute. My name is Rem Korteweg, Senior Research Fellow at Klingendal, and I'm joined today by my colleague Tony van der Tocht, a Russia specialist here at the Institute. Tony, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, we're going to talk about President Vladimir Putin's re-election and what it means for uh, Russian foreign policy and uh, EU-Russia relations. Uh, I think we, we're all aware that uh, EU-Russia relations find uh, themselves in a difficult period. Uh, there have been some very worrying developments in recent weeks, for instance, with respect to the Skripal poisoning case, um, also the tensions in Syria over the support that Russia gives to President Assad and the possible use of chemical weapons by the Syrian regime, uh, the strikes that were undertaken by French, British and American forces in response to this chemical attack. And beyond these immediate events, what do you expect from Putin's fourth presidential term? Are recent incidents an anomaly or do you think that they are a harbinger for a increasingly tense period to come in uh, Russia-West relations? Yeah, thank you very much. I think, uh, indeed, these are the most important questions which are also um, uh, heavily debated in Russia nowadays. Uh, a lot will depend on the new Russian government, uh, as President Putin uh, will be inaugurated only on the 7th of May, and then a uh, big cabinet reshuffle is expected to come. Um, but as for policy, um, I think if there are changes in Russian foreign policy, it will be more like a hardening, especially in relations between Russia and the West, than a softening and some more small steps towards a detente. Mm -hmm. An indication of this can be found in a recent article of one of Putin's top advisors, Surkov, uh, who was talking about uh, Russia entering a new phase of what he called uh, 100 years of solitude. <laughs> so it's more like self-isolation, more shielding itself off from uh, foreign uh, influences. Mm. Um, and that means for foreign policy that um, Russia will not desperately look for a way out on the Ukraine crisis. Russia will do its own thing in Syria and will continue what it has been doing recently, which is uh, an intensive information war against the West. Um, and that is one of the most worrying trends, uh, I think, if they would continue like that, um, it is not only that we don't know about Russian intentions, we could have misunderstandings about Russia's real intentions. The Skripal case is one, uh, the complete denial of uh, the use of chemical weapons in Syria is another example um, of information warfare, of disinformation, of deliberate misinformation. Um, which makes us worry that even if in future Russia will be uh, talking the truth, that we will not believe them, mm. because then they have been lying so many times. Uh, so trust is completely gone, and I don't expect that if these trends continue, that trust will be rebuilt easily. Mm. Mm. Um, and that will influence very much the, the future of EU-Russia relations. What you're saying is that we're on a trajectory for more clashes? 
a hardening, at least, in the relationship. Mm. Um, and everyone has been looking over the past few years for what well, possible islands of cooperation. Where could we practice some selective engagement with Russia? And at a certain time, Syria looked like this was going to be a possibility mm. um, to cooperate in an anti-ISIS coalition together with Russia. But, well, if you see where we are now, this is not really a realistic perspective. And, and the EU is not really a political player in Syria at all, unlike the US and, and, and regional players. And um, so the same goes for the contested neighborhood, mm. for the countries in between, how to find cooperation there. If you see what is happening in, in Armenia now, that is in Russia, also framed uh, by a number of, uh, of important Russian think tankers uh, as another attempt at regime change stimulated by the West and basically against Russia and against Russian interests. So as long as these things are always framed like this, mm. I think there is little leeway for cooperation between, for example, the EU and, and, and Russia. What does President Putin then want? He's now re-elected, he has his fourth term. You could make the argument that there is now a moment where you can expect a perhaps more reasonable uh, Russian president if that reasonable president realizes that self-isolation isn't the best recipe for improving the economic future of, uh, of Russia's citizens. Yeah. Well, that's what part of the Russian political elite also thinks. And uh, especially someone who is still close to Putin, uh, former minister Alexei Kudrin, is and his group, they are working out uh, a number of ideas for modernization of the Russian economy. But there is a big uncertainty at the moment, and that concerns the succession of Putin, because strange as it may like, but everyone in Russia is all already thinking about post-Putin, post-2024. And this jockeying for power also within the elite has already started. Modernization would mean uh, loosening of political control. Um, it would potentially mean instability. And the first thing what Putin doesn't want is instability. Mm. So they want to stick to the present regime. They do not want to upset the all kind of balance of powers inside the elite. So I don't expect that to happen, that Russia would loosen up and would take concrete steps towards this modernization of the economy, which they desperately need, because if they continue like this, they, they will remain dependent on, on oil and gas exports. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what you see now is that what Putin is trying to do is to shield against Western influence to get um, those parts of the Russian elite which are abroad with their funds, with their money, to make them return to Russia. And you also see um, a kind of redivision of assets between oligarchs in Russia. Uh, just recently, a few prominent oligarchs were arrested. And if this happens, this is very often on political grounds so that assets can be redivided uh, mm. afterwards. So this whole succession question already brings this idea of potential instability with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Putin is most worried about this, about instability, about losing control, about losing control of eventually choosing his own successor which would guarantee him immunity against, well, any um, corruption charges yeah. or, or whatever.
And is that position of self-isolation, that position of greater confrontation with the West, should we see that as a way to distract the Russian population as well from some of the changes that are not happening in the domestic economy and in domestic society? Are they really that intimately connected, you think? Or does Putin have a foreign policy agenda of his own about reinstating uh, a greater Russia or what have you? Um, I think, yes, it is connected because if Putin cannot deliver on uh, modernizing the economy, um, on health issues, on education, on social affairs, he would need to have this political legitimacy come from somewhere else. Uh, he needs a kind of external enemy to, well, to blame the West if economically um, the developments are not as favorable as uh, normal Russians would want. Um, so yes, this is intimately connected. Whether it means that Putin would deliberately want more conflict with the West or some more military adventures, uh, I doubt, because uh, that has also serious financial consequences. Mm -hmm. It has the risk of uh, increased sanctions. Um, so it's not necessarily more conflict, but it means that Russia would, for example, on, on Ukraine, will not give in, uh, will try to, well, to develop this into a kind of frozen conflict, that it somehow keeps some grip on the future foreign policy cause of, U of Ukraine, but not necessarily looking for new conflicts. Uh, I mean, just keeping the old ones there, um, and it could only be solved if he could drive a very tough bargain with the West. But then that would mean that we would have to accept a Russian sphere of influence mm -hmm. uh, in a number of uh, former Soviet mm -hmm. states, uh, which we, I think, until now have been unwilling to do. And uh, what do you think would then change with this new fourth presidency for Vladimir Putin? Because if listening to you, it's going to be more of the same, perhaps even worse, in the sense that the trend will be one of continued confrontation, or at least uh, creating an image of the West as the enemy, a lack of modernization of the economy, because that would feed instability. So is there anything new that we can expect from this fourth Putin presidency? I think not. I think the, the main thing for Putin is um, finding a good successor. So that will preoccupy most of his, of his agenda and keeping control over the present system at the moment. So in Russia now, uh, a lot of people are already talking about stagnation, a new period of stagnation and comparing Putin in this sense to the late Brezhnev period. Mm -hmm. So even some of the demonstrators are already uh, putting up big signs comparing Putin to Brezhnev. Mm -hmm. So they will be in for a long period of no change, stagnation, uh, muddling through. Uh, so those will be the, the catchwords and, and, and not change, not modernization, not opening up or anything in that direction. But also no real risk-taking. I suppose not, unless... Uh, Putin thinks this is absolutely necessary for the uh, preservation of the present regime. Yeah, yeah. Final question, what does this mean for Europe? I mean, if we're in for the long haul with uh, the next six years of more of the same, what do we do? I think the most important thing is, well, keep open channels with um, also those 
groups in the Russian elite, the foreign policy, but also the economic elite, who um, may want change in the longer term because they see it as in their own economic and financial interest. So to keep open channels with them, uh, to keep open some of these bridges, um, try to to engage, for example, also through the Eurasian Economic Union, opening up some more discussions uh, on, well, convergence, standardization, very technical things, but very useful for, for, for both sides, um, uh, potentially, and, and, and not that risky for Putin that he would try to block it. So to keep open those channels, because I think that if change is going to happen in Russia, um, it would have to come from within this political elite because mm. they see that this system is going nowhere, it's not sustainable in the longer term, and they want to, to have another policy, uh, including by opening up to the West, not because of us, but because it's in their own financial and economic interests. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony, for this moment to offer your insights on where uh, you think Putin's fourth presidency is uh, is leading the country and also its relationship with Europe. We will have a broader conversation on uh, the future of uh, of Russia EU and uh, Russia West relations at a event that Klingendal is organizing together with uh, Ramo Brusland and the Netherlands Society for International Affairs on May 18th, which will be held here in The Hague. And the speakers include, amongst others, Dimitri Trenin, who is the head of the Carnegie Moscow Center. Should you be interested in staying up to date on this and other podcasts of the Klingendal Institute, please register for our newsletter at www.klingendal.org.